how awesome it is to be able to gather together in God's house and worship Him. You know, I was thinking uh, this week, in the Old Testament, there were moments of feast and there were moments of fast. In other words, there were moments of great celebration and then there were moments where you stepped back and you were taking inventory of who you were and you came before God in a sense of brokenness. Now look, I'm one of these guys, I love feast. You can probably tell by looking at me, you know. I enjoy feast. I enjoy not just the idea of feasting on food, but I enjoy the idea of celebration. And this morning in this place, I hope that you've experienced some of that. I mean, to be able to celebrate as we have, as one body, as we've baptized, as we have worshiped together, there's something energizing in that, isn't there? There's something exciting about celebrating what God has done. It's an awesome, an awesome moment to celebrate. And that's the reason I guess I love it so much. But there are also those equal moments where we come together not just to celebrate, but maybe even in the same service, we come in a spirit of brokenness. We come before a holy God, recognizing who He is, worshiping Him, but also recognizing how broken we are. And I feel that as we prepare ourselves to take of the Lord's Supper today, that God is calling us in this place to approach Him, yes, with a sense of celebration, but maybe even more so today with a sense of brokenness over who we are and how He wants to minister in our lives. In the book of Proverbs, we've been looking at it for quite some time now. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28, you already have it bookmarked probably now. It's, you know each Sunday it's been from the book of Proverbs. And you'll note that as we look at the Scripture today, as Solomon, as his writings are collected here, he states and he speaks about the wisdom of brokenness. The wisdom of brokenness. Proverbs chapter 28, beginning in verse 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Happy is the man who is always reverent. But he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Listen at the wisdom of Solomon. He speaks and he speaks about brokenness. He speaks about who we are and how we approach God. And I want to give you two truths maybe from this scripture that I hear that Solomon speaks to us. One, listen to what he says. He says to each and every one of us, he says that we ought to confess, don't conceal. Confess, don't conceal. And what he says to us is that confession brings happiness into our life. Concealment brings hurt. I want to take that last portion first, if I will. Concealment brings hurt. Notice what he says in verse 13. He says, he who covers his sins will not prosper. Solomon says, for those of us that live, live with brokenness, that live under sin, we recognize who we are. He says, for us to try to cover that up will actually impact our going forward, our prosperity, as he says here. In other words, he who conceals his sin is one who will not thrive, whose plans will not prevail. He says, he who covers his sins. Now, there are not many of us in this place that don't try to, 
or at least make some attempt to cover up sometimes for the things that we've done wrong, huh? All of us have stories of probably trying to cover up, especially as children, we tried to cover up certain things. I mean, every Wednesday I go to Rotary Club, and every Wednesday I ride with Bill Cox from here to Rotary Club. And every week I get illustration after illustration for sermons from Bill Cox of how he tried to conceal things in his life from his parents. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous. Did you not tell me one this week? One this week, didn't you? You didn't know I'd use it on Sunday morning, but you did tell me one this week of trying to conceal. Sometimes when we get hurt, maybe we, we make sure that we don't limp in a certain way, or maybe we know that we've gotten hurt and we've broken skin. We put jeans on so that our parents won't see what we've done. Some of us remember those days in our lives, and we tr- we've tried to cover up things many, many times. Maybe broken something, tried to put it back together. Every now and then, every now and then, we might break something around my house. And if super glue is awesome, I mean, super glue and duct tape you can fix the world with, you know? And you try to fix it so that people you won't see. Sometimes we try to cover things up in our lives, we, we know that. Sometimes it's very natural for us. Listen to what he says. He says, he who covers his sins, though, the one that tries to hide what he has done, the one that tries to hide his brokenness, he will not prosper. Again, the idea is that he will not thrive. His plans will not be realized if he tries to cover his sins. And you know how difficult it is just carrying those sins with you. I mean, hidden, but you're still carrying them. Many of us know how difficult it is. And perhaps Solomon, perhaps Solomon had remembered the experience of his father, King David. Because in Psalm 32, David has really spoken about the truths that Solomon writes about much later on. In Psalm 32, in verses 3 and 4, David, King David, as he was giving testimony, said, When I kept silent, my bones grew old, through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Did you hear what King David said? King David said, When I had hidden these things, when I had covered them over, nobody else may have known, but I still knew. And it impacted me. It impacted me when I would lay down at night, when I would get up in the morning. It was as though that sin, that it was consuming me. He says, this is what I felt in my life. Later on in Psalm 51, he'll talk about how his bones, physically, he felt broken as he carried that sin with him. Listen, when we try to conceal our sin, when we try to conceal it from God himself, we will always have that sense of burden, hurt. Our plans as we think they should go would not go. There would be all kinds of things that we would face and the guilt itself is still there. But look at the opposite side of this. Confession. Confession. I say confession brings happiness according to what Solomon says. Confession brings happiness. 
Concealment brings hurt. Notice in Proverbs 28 again. In verse 13, he talks about how confession will see compassion. And in verse 14, he says, Happy is the man who is always reverent. Notice he is contrasting the individual who is concealing his sin, who is hiding his sin, and the individual who is coming before God, recognizing who God is, and confessing that sin to God. Happy is the man who is always reverent. That word, that word reverent there, it it means that you stand in a holy awe of God, that he is so different, he um, he is so amazingly different from who you are, that you just stand in awe. And it's not the word that's usually used. It's not the word that's usually used in the Old Testament. This is a different word communicating almost a a total difference between the man or the woman and God himself. That he is totally transcendent. And look, I love to be able to come into worship and think about how God is near and to think about how... uh, the friendship that we have in Jesus Christ, to even sing hymns like What a Friend We Have in Jesus and those kinds of things, to know that he's close. I mean, that is tremendous, and it is a truth of God. But there are also moments in our church's life where we need to remember that he is not like us. He is so totally different from us. He is so totally amazing in his power and in his purity and in his holiness. He is not like us us and when we come before him and we see him in that moral holiness we respond as the prophet Isaiah did as we recognize our uncleanness before him and we bow before him in a sense of brokenness there should be those moments in our lives yes I love the moments of celebration and joy as I have communicated But there should be those moments in our church's life where we come together and we recognize how broken we are and how sinful we are and how we need Him. And we need a touch of grace from Him. James puts it this way. As people come before God, James captured this type of heart, I think. In James 4, verse 8, he said... Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Get this, verse 9. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I've often thought that we ought to put verse 9 out on the church sign, the billboard sometimes. Something like, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. In other words... You come to Temple Baptist Church, we'll turn your laughter into gloom. That, that should be a catchy little phrase, huh? How many people you think would be just walking in this place, you know? Put it out on, the, hey, just come. We'll make sure that your smile disappears in a moment when you walk into Temple Baptist Church. You know, that's not what we communicate today. It, the idea is you come and, you know, everything's great and it's awesome. And again, those are, those are good things to communicate. 
But in our day, in our culture, in our society, what we also need to hear is that there are moments that God is going to take our laughter and He's going to transform it into mourning, into sorrow. He's going to replace those smiles with with a sense of concern and burden. And that we come before Him and we pour out our hearts and we pour out our lives in a sense of brokenness. God doesn't want us to conceal our sin. He wants us to confess our sin. And before we come to the table today, I'm going to say to you that we need to confess and not conceal. And this is the paradox. This is what is so strange about this whole thing. Is that as you come with a sense of brokenness, that you are mourning, he says here, happy is the one who stands in that awe of God. That there's actually the reverse happens. You do experience joy inside. Again, I think Solomon might have noted what his father had experienced. Because in Psalm 32, as he had spoken about the burden he felt when he kept silent, he also spoke about the joy and the happiness that he had experienced. Listen, he said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Verse 5, he said, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to, to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. See, King David said, I didn't hide it. I didn't try to conceal it. I confessed it. And when I did, I could say, blessed is the one whose transgression is covered. When I experienced the forgiveness of God, There was a sense of happiness that was in. So I came before him broken. And I came before him mourning. But I left. I left with a sense of happiness. Confession brings happiness. Concealment brings further hurt into our lives. So I want to say to you today as you hear these words, confess. Don't conceal. But listen to what he also says. The second truth that Solomon gives us in Proverbs 28. He says to us to repent, not to repeat. Repent, don't repeat. Notice he says in verse 13, whoever confesses and forsakes them. Do you get that? You confess and you forsake them. The idea is to leave them behind. There's a total change in your life. You see, repentance, repentance brings compassion. Repetition, repetition of sin in particular, brings calamity. Again, I want to take the second part of that first and unpack it for you because it says repetition brings calamity. Look at verse 14. He who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Who hardens his heart. Later on in chapter 29 verse 1 you'll notice it says he who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. The one who just repeats his sin, who hardens his heart, who is stiff-necked. Look, oftentimes in the Old Testament Israel was referred to as a stiff-necked people. That meant that they would not listen to God. That meant that they were not willing to humble themselves, but rather they would just keep on doing what they had done. They would keep on uh, uh, engaging in 
sinful behavior. They just keep on doing that. They were stiff-necked, hard-hearted people. And because of that, because of that, they experienced, they experienced calamity in their own nation. Hard-heartedness, stiff-necked. You met a few of those. You've parented a few of those. You've had parents that were a few of those. Yes. And there have been moments that perhaps we were just as stubborn as the next person. When there was something in our life, instead of us repenting of it, forsaking it, leaving it behind, we might come and we might say, God, now we're sorry for it, but there wasn't a true repentance because we just kept on doing what we wanted to do. We hardened our heart. We just kept on. Because of that, calamity comes. Don't believe me? Ask Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 7, verse 3. God says of Pharaoh that I'm going to harden his heart. Why? Because he had hardened his own heart. And God just kind of gives it over and says, Hey, if that's the way you want to live, that's the way I'm going to, I'm going to allow you to do that. But he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take and I'm going to use this to show forth my wonders and my power and my work. Exodus chapter 7, verse 3. And the scripture says of Pharaoh, he would see God's work and what would he do? Harden his heart. Harden his heart. Same idea that you see in verse 14. And the calamity he reaped, water to blood, Lice, frogs, frogs, can you imagine frogs? Darkness, hell, disease, all kinds of things that he reaped in his life because he hardened his heart against God's work. And he just kept on, he kept repeating. He kept repeating the same sin, he's just stubborn. They've often said the definition, a classic definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And yet people, some of us, we have tried to do the same thing over and over and over again. We just kept on in our lives instead of true repentance. We just say, God, we acknowledge you and we're sorry, but we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And then our relationship with him suffers and yet we want to see, why won't God restore this? Because we are unwilling to come in repentance. Repetition, hard-heartedness brings calamity. But listen, true repentance brings compassion. He said, whoever confesses and forsakes, repents, will have mercy. Now, repentance is this, basically. Repentance is, you know, I'm walking this direction in my own way. I'm following what I want to do. I'm hard-hearted toward other efforts. I just want to do what I want to do. Repentance is saying, I'm going to walk a different direction. I'm going to walk a different direction. Because, listen, I want you to hear this. Brokenness drives us to our knees to confess. But repentance insists that we get up and we walk differently than we did before. 
Confession, brokenness says we get down on our knees and we confess to God what we've done. But if we've truly repented, then we are in, it insists that we get up and we walk differently than we did before. And God is calling for a church this, these days, a church that will confess its sin and a church that will repent of its sin and will walk in a different way. I'm going to tell you, if we had a body of believers today in the nation that we live in that would confess and repent of their sin, we would see a different nation today. The best thing that could happen for our country is for us to confess and repent of where we are. And then we would see the compassion of God. You know, God does not turn away a broken, repentant heart. He has never done that. As a matter of fact, as we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. And we see His mercy and we see His compassion. But Brother Reggie, I've been walking, I've been doing my own thing for years and years now. I just don't know if He can do that he can forgive me I let me promise you on God's word and his promise he will forgive you and show compassion to you today if you'll confess and repent you can know it and you can experience that blessedness well again Solomon as he's reflecting on his dad his dad who tried to hide his sin whose dad dad who came up with all kinds of ways to try to conceal that initial sin of lust and adultery that led him into murder and other things. King David had tried to do all that, but when he was able to confess and truly repent of his sins, again, he said, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Did you get that? The sin that David was trying to cover was now truly covered. By the grace and the compassion and the mercy of God. And that was a cause for joy and for happiness. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. He doesn't count it toward him, but rather in whose spirit there is no deceit. He said, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. That is the grace, the mercy, and the compassion of the God we serve. Is that no matter what we've done or who we've been or what's accomplished in our lives, when we come before Him and we confess, we don't try to conceal it, but we confess, and then we repent instead of repeating the same thing over and over again in our lives. When we come in confession and repentance, He hears us and our sin is forgiven. Do you recognize the significance of what we're about to do in a moment? As we take of this Lord's Supper, as we proclaim through the elements that we take of the sacrifice of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we proclaim that God the Father loved us so much that He sent His one and only Son for our behalf, on our behalf. That if we would believe, if we would confess, if we would repent, He would forgive us of our sins. He would grant us eternal life. There are only two types of people here this day. Sinners 
who attempt to try to hide their sin and have never come to faith in Christ and sinners who are saved simply by the grace of God. All of us have and continue to stand in need of the blood of Christ Jesus in our lives. Every one of us. There are moments as we as believers, as we experience a greater fellowship or seek a greater fellowship with Him, it is a moment for us, even as believers, to come and confess our sins, to repent of our sins, to seek that restored fellowship. And maybe before you come this day, and I'm going to tell you, it is a serious time if you look in the scripture of when they came to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Today, as you come, before you do this, maybe you need to seek that restored fellowship where you are. Maybe you need to come to this altar. Just the day of confession and repentance for those of us who are believers. But if you've never been saved and you've never trusted him, I'm going to tell you again. Instead of trying to conceal and hide, instead of trying to do the same thing over and over and expect different results, would you come? Would you trust Him? Would you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus? Would you experience the forgiveness of your sins and walk in Him? May this day be a day when we confess and we repent. The wisdom of brokenness. It's the wisdom for us today.